3: This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, bringing you my take on the most important issues of the week, especially from a Libertarian perspective, which allows me to see through the partisanship that your 24-7 cable cycle is uh, a slave to. So, that being said... The biggest seemed like the thing that was on that 24-7 cycle nonstop this week was creepy Joe Biden smelling people's hair and then getting made fun of by Trump. Like, this is what this is how slow this Newsweek was. I feel it's like like when you watch a series, which I think this is basically like they'll, they'll have a great episode and then they'll like kind of take a week off and then set it up. And then the next week is like another great episode. So this is maybe like the off week and next week is going to be a huge news week. But, uh, this is where we are right now. And there are a lot of important policy issues. I actually have some stuff I want to talk about. The legislative session in Georgia is over. And there were a few, I think noteworthy things that came up out of that. But, uh, but something kind of funny that has been on my mind i wanted to talk about i that i did think about because of this biden situation and i do want to talk more generally about as we head into this election season unbelievably like launching 18 months before the actual election that we what's really at stake here i mean let's before it starts let's talk about what is the most important issue or or is it just we need somebody who Isn't something, you know, we need somebody who can stand up to the media. Like, what is the number one thing that you the most important uh, election issue? Let's try to get get that on the record. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. My producer Binkley's here and he sent me a video I'd heard about that, like, the source of the Biden-Trump bickering this week was that... Trump posted a video of Biden and Biden retorted very presidential as usual, something like that. But I didn't actually look at the video until Binkley sent it to me and it's pretty darn hilarious. So describe it for us, Binkley.
2: Well, the video is a meme and Joe Biden is sitting explaining something, I guess, in his house. And while he's explaining... (laughs) Up behind the couch pops another Joe Biden, who then creeps up on the Joe Biden who's speaking on the couch, and his hands start rubbing, Joe starts rubbing Joe's hands and smelling, smelling his own hair, shoulders, I mean, not his hands. He's very
3: handsy. Yes. He's very handsy in that. So he does so, it to
2: himself, too. Did you
3: tweet this? Can you tweet it at me? And I can. At people, whatever. That's at Freedom Max Radio is Binkley's Twitter handle? And Trump boys, tweeted it
2: yeah. saying, welcome back, Joe.
3: So I don't. What's welcome back? Like welcome back to the politics. I don't know. <laughs> I think so because then he went on to the National Republican Congressman's Convention and said, uh, "You having fun? You fun now? Welcome to the real world, Joe. Welcome to the real world." And like Joe's been another Joe's been has a role in the real world. I think he took credit for writing the USA Patriot Act, which they tried to pass under Clinton. And so Joe's, Joe's above and beyond in the real world. He's been uh, kind of fingered for helping seal the Ukrainian coup on our behalf. So I think I think Joe isn't as goofy as he seems. But what was interesting to me is this idea that memes are so powerful and we have talked about that on the show before. To I, I don't I think maybe it was Dean who tweeted at me my uh number one tweep. One of my one of my number one tweets tweeted at me a I believe it was a slideshow like 150 pages of DARPA or some US defense institution this future of mimetic warfare. Mimetic warfare. And the idea is that they can use memes, which can be pictorial like this, or short videos, or just an idea, a word. And they use that to expressly, uh, many, many things in in this slideshow that we talked about. But one of the things they absolutely do is, and I quote them, they enhance dysfunctional subcultures and And, in the thing, it says that it's directed at foreign audiences, that it's a weapon. But first of all, I just I, I always marvel at the sick morality behind that. You go into a country for whatever reason. is it is it literally lobbing missiles at you? Because if it is, just lob them back. And since we spend half the money in the world on defense, that is spent in the world on defense, we spend it. I think we we should be able to get that unless we, Sell it to other people, which I think we should not do. But if they're going into other countries and they're enhancing dysfunctional subcultures, just the, the morality of that. I, I, I withhold my consent as the taxpayer who's financing that. I'm I am hereby saying I'm coerced into doing that. So but but here was my deeper level thought is there was a show a a, a video got making the rounds recently somebody tweeted at me another favorite tweet of judge napolitano saying how obama in order to i believe launch the investigation under uh, against trump they used data that gchq which is british intelligence had Because that would mean that Obama would not have to go through the formalities that our law would require if he was going to use our own intel. Binkley, does that sound exactly what he was like, exactly what Knapp was talking about? Yes. Okay. So he then... So, and Binkley responded that he and I have been talking about the British influence and uh manipulation the british interference in our politics ever since the russian interference meme started rising
2: yeah i think they started the whole thing
3: yeah and i believe it and and actually i think they they do too right isn't the christopher Steele like that's uh, you were so right the day that came out you're like that's such a fake name <laughs> <laughs> it is such it is so Rem- remington steel reminiscent so and and the Chatham House and McCain cooked that or whatever. No. It, it emerged from a an interaction between those two. The Chatham House is the mother of the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. So, I, like, this stuff is all there. But what I thought was noteworthy is, and I've thought of this before, but then when you hear Knapp saying that, that Obama actually did it, this is what I think, is that when I've seen these, I think Smith-Munt is one uh there were a few there are fisa of course there are quite a few laws that allow for things allow our government to do things to people in other countries or target people in other countries that they're not allowed to target towards americans so surveillance and propaganda they're allowed to direct that at foreign audiences, even if it contaminates domestic audiences. And I, I began to think that, especially in the way that it, with our allies with whom we share data, I mean, judge Knapp was saying GCHQ has complete access to our data. So what's to stop us from maybe not formally, but, or I mean, Obama was doing it, uh, Using these tactics against our allies' populations, knowing that our allies would appreciate it, they don't have to ask for it, but you could say, hey, man, you've got a lot of uh, ISIS people coming out of London. We're just trying to help you by propagandizing your population and surveilling them. And, uh, hey, man, if you did it to us, like I don't even think we would wouldn't break our laws, blah, blah, blah. So I just feel like there's probably... That's a loophole to watch out for. And it makes me think that since we have dysfunctional subcultures that are being developed and enhanced by front organizations, by the media, by, uh, I mean, even government organizations, but beyond that, when when I see these things appear to emerge inorganically, this populist moment, this white nationalism meme i believe this stuff is being uh these dysfunctional subcultures are being created and enhanced artificially by people who will benefit from them and those people are at the top the cfr chatham house etc go ahead bankley what do you got
2: one of the things that they've been caught doing i can't remember the specific operation but it was seeding stories in other countries that blew up and ended up getting picked up in our media by media that believed they were real stories so it it targeted us in that manner
3: And you're allowed to. That, I think, is allowed by our laws, that if it wasn't intended, if our government didn't intend a meme or story or propaganda to target domestic audiences and it was just collateral damage, that, I think, is, is allowed.
2: That's what Bernays would intentionally do is create dramatic scenes in other countries and he'd bring American media there to see it and they'd come back and report it as truth and they thought it was truth.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that could be part of what the mimetic dysfunctional subcultures of other countries, right? So if they go in to the, uh, like the Muslim Brotherhood supposedly was infiltrated by the British a long time ago. Nasser in Egypt in the 60s had proof of that, he said. So when they did that, then they can get them to do things over there. Like Assad, actually, Assad's father was called bloody Assad because he put down a Muslim Brotherhood uprising in Homs in like 1984. And you've got to wonder if that was a dysfunctional subculture that was enhanced intentionally to further a geopolitical purpose that had more to do with territory and oil or whatever than it did uh, anything native, anything organic. And yeah, we we get fed those images and and I, I bet that would pass their their smell test. So I have I do have a lot of people who wanna talk about the election and what we should be thinking about. Uh, Richard, Ed, Tariq, we're gonna let me take my break and then we'll start hitting the calls. Eight hundred WSB talk, you could tweet at me at Monica Perez show.
1: Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at a.m. 750, WSB.
3: I'm back, taking some calls. We've got some great calls teed up here. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Uh, first, I'm going to Richard in Atlanta. Richard, you're on with Monica. You there? Um, I'm here, and I hear you. Yeah. You're on the air. What you got?
1: Excellent. Excellent. This is what I got. First off, talking about dysfunction and propaganda and the communist uh, Democratic Party. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why Trump is going to win. For one, he's going to win because they're pushing this stuff called reparations. And there's millions of Americans. And over our dead bodies, are you going to uh, come and accomplish that kind of thing? And America better listen because these people are uh, true on what they're saying. They really hope and wish to enact this kind of stuff Because they're desperate, they'll do anything they can to try to hold on to power. So I'm out there to warn Americans. You better, when they say this rhetoric that they're saying, they're absolutely serious about it.
3: I I did notice that that came up. uh, I got different, when I see like the same headline come up or like the same theme come up from different places, all at once, I oh it, that always puts up a flag to me and the reparations thing. I have to like get my mind around. There's obvious um, reasons Monica, why. I,
1: it, it's, let me say this, Monica. Yeah, get it. It demonized Trump all the time about saying racial stuff. You know, they're a bunch of Stalinists. Uh, if anybody's trying to gem up racism, it's the Democratic yeah. Party and their identity politics. Um, that 's all they focus about because they have no 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 economic things they can hold back to um, mm-hmm. it's an absol- it 's absolutely scary to think how many sheep out there listen to these people and our country is going to be in huge trouble if we listen to these people which i i, I don 't think there will I still think there's enough native born Americans that won 't listen to this stuff and i don 't see no no way how uh, they can win in in a general election but in the future, uh, as demographics change, uh, I see that as a real possibility. And uh, it, it's scary to think uh, that people are going to just want to collect checks simply because of the color of their skin. That's, that's, uh, and I, I and I know millions of other Americans, that's why I think they are trying to push us into a civil war and cause resentment between uh, the races.
3: Yes, I agree with you uh, on that, Richard. You said so many things I want to respond to, so I'm going to take them one by one if I can read my little notes about it. And after the break, I'm going to respond to that. And then I want to get to these great other calls. Uh, I wanna, Ed, uh, Tariq, Colston, they're talking about uh, universal basic income, bump stocks, making people felons overnight. Uh, social engineering so i think we're we're going to take some deep deep dives coming up after the break 4048720750 800 WSB talker at me at monica perez show
1: monica perez this
4: will not stand you know this aggression will not stand man
1: on news 955 at am 750 WSB
3: i am your libertarian voice on WSB saturdays from 3 to 6 and we have we are in the middle of quite a uh, lively and in-depth conversation about a lot of the election issues that are bubbling up to the surface, a lot of the big issues that are uh, dominating our news right now. 404 one 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, the caller before the break, Richard, had some you know, mighty uncomfortable things to say that, uh, you know, hate to be alarmist but he was talking about and and the reason i, I think he's on to something is that i've heard this coming from a lot of different angles this week so, uh, reparations so i i don't know what the exact mechanism would be but i think the idea is to make whole the defendants of slavery in this country uh by giving them money that comes out of the taxpayers and, and the, your first thought is going to be my. I had I had nobody in this country before, during, or immediately after the Civil War. There's absolutely no chance I had anything to do with that. But then, so, I'm sure the argument then becomes, but the legacy of slavery set up winners and losers, and that's why this is necessary, and uh, similarly, I guess, with affirmative action and that kind of stuff. But But the fact is, the people who are going to pay aren't going to see it that way. And what Richard pointed out is that it, it will create resentment and it will foment, you know, could foment civil war. And that do, it does feel like there's like this constant push to be angry, violent, rude, go outside the normal processes of the law, uh, totally violate the civil discourse. I mean, people will blame it. People on the left blame it on Trump, but I saw it coming from, uh, you know, Vicente Fox started, it, if you ask me, and he didn't do it on his own. I I nailed it the day he dropped the F-bomb on TV about Trump. I said, that guy just changed the entire uh, manner, the culture. That was intentional. He got away with it. Things are that's that's going to really start happening. And yes, it has. But he also said that it's the left who's encouraging this stuff, the racism uh, And they're not going to let it go away and i would say they it's the same thing for poverty these are where they get their power and of course that's the inherent conflicts between the population and the government is that they get their power out of your fear your fiscal insecurity on the left or your physical insecurity on the right and they need to make you afraid fiscally and physically in order to keep especially this two-party psyop going uh and and then Richard also said that these are sheeple who are falling for it, and I would say that is actually giving too much uh, moral credit in that actually George Washington said you cannot expect people to vote against their own interests. You cannot rely on ideology or virtue or anything when it comes to voting or or that, I I whatever is the exact quote. That's what I took away from it. So they appeal to people by... The, the message is you will benefit from this personally. But in order for somebody to feel good about themselves and not bad about themselves, which is important, they have to tell you that you are morally justified in this benefit because one of the reasons that you're not, at, don't have that money in your pocket already is that you were the victim of injustice. And they, and sometimes they have to actually move the definition of morality. And I always thought that was the first time I really saw that was do the right thing by Spike Lee. I remember thinking, I just know, <laughs> no fundamental morality could mean that was the right thing. And, and I think what he was doing was making morality completely subjective and moving it around, moving the center of it around anyway. So here I picked up Richard's mantle and, uncomfortable stuff sorry <laughs> so let's uh let's take some calls 800 WSB. talking and take um uh at first ed in athens you are on with monica
0: well hi monica um i just wanted to uh talk about the bump stock law that went into effect on the 26th of march
3: yeah trump signed it right um, it wasn't an executive order it was a law he signed
0: no, there was no signing or anything. It was the Justice Department ordered the ATF to make a change in regulation.
3: Ah. All bump
0: stocks prior to that came with a little explanation from the ATF as to why they did not cl- classify as machine guns, because they're not a functional part of a gun. They're just the stock. and the, You can do, do the bump thing with almost any uh, semi-auto gun just by hooking your finger in a belt loop. But anyway... They they did. They made a change of regulation. They did not publicize it. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, the government has confiscated guns at least twice before, both of them being being, uh, machine guns when they did machine gun bans and forced people to regulate. But they gave them 180 days, and they gave them a process to register those machine guns so they could be legally owned through the process of a stamp tax you know, fingerprints, pictures, you send it off to the ATF. They run, you know, every kind of exam you could think of short of a prostate, and then they send it back to you, either cleared or not cleared. Um, None of that was done for bump stocks. There's no change in the law. There's just a change in regulation. To put into context how many people have been made felons overnight by this.
3: Would it be a felony to possess it? what it's a felony to possess them now
0: each one of them is now treated as an unregistered machine gun
3: whoa and it,
0: yeah and it carries all of the fel- felony penalties involved you were you were given no
3: opportunity be, yeah.
0: to register any of this stuff i went into five different local post offices over that 90 days it was not posted anywhere which is the normal process, I asked at the local post offices. They had received no paperwork to post. So just to give an example of sales on these items, in the last three months before this went into effect, the main company selling bump stocks sold over 500,000 of them. In the several years before that, there had been three, four million bump stocks sold in the United States. Everybody that owns one, and, and many people own several for different calibers or for different guns, or just because, you know, they're Americans and they sh- used to have the right to, um, is now, each one of those is a felony charge.
3: Well, I got to say, I, I don't want to get... a felony
0: charge is having an unregistered machine gun.
3: I don't want to get completely off my topic, but I have a couple of comments on that. One is, my father always said, a registry is a list of targets. So you write, you have a gun registry. He objected to a gun registry because he said that is just a list. It's like what we did maybe in Hungary. I don't not. I think that's what we did in Hungary and Iraq. What Wesley Clark said: we we got the people to step forward as being willing to fight against the government, and then we abandon them so their governments wipe them out. So uh, a registry acts like that. You come up and say, I have this. Uh, what I what I call resistance grade weaponry. So I, I people wonder why don't they attack handguns, which is where almost every single murder is a handgun in this country. They uh, they attack what I call resistance grade weaponry. So I I don't like when they only go for the stuff that could actually you could actually put up a fight. And then what you're saying it's beyond a registry. The problem, like my father describes about a registry, what you're saying is you've you've been now you're on a list of felons. I mean, assuming they maybe they don't have that list, but you can be targeted for that. So that is alarming. If what you're saying is true, I did not look into it at all. So I encourage people to investigate that. Uh, and and I'll tell you what I learned the first day of constitutional law at Stanford is that administrative law. I don't want to hear anybody say it's unconstitutional uh because it probably is it's that laws created by the executive branch by anything that's an administration that doesn't go through the process federal law that does not go through uh the legislative branch is uh, unconstitutional so and there's no recourse right you can't <laughs> elect out your local fbi agent anyway so let's uh let's keep it going i want to go to tariq in atlanta tariq you are on with monica
4: Good afternoon. Great to uh, hear this subject. Uh, I digress just uh, briefly because I want to comment on first the reparations issue. First of all, I'm a descendant of not only former slaves, but Europeans. I can trace back uh, 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 an ancestor to the 18th century. And reparations doesn't do anything for the former slaves because they're all dead. You can't punish the slaveholders because they're all deceased. The bottom line is now all we can ask is that the system tries to be fair. I don't mean a lot of quotas and stuff because you get into maybe unfairness against the people who uh, don't get a chance to take part in uh, or, or enjoy opportunities because of it. But really more than that, it's all part of the big picture. You know, those of us that are trying to learn is just another example of they don't really care. All they want is votes. I know what that's about. It's about power so that the collective make us communists, really. I, I think it's more than socialism because you can see a lot of the communist tactics to try to achieve their goals. And a lot of that, a lot of things even a person that doesn't have time to read or chooses not to, you will notice and it will irritate you. But a lot of things, I think the biggest problem right now is for the last century or so, especially the last 70 or 80 years, the collective side has been progressing with, I believe a lot more comprehensive system to achieve their goal of eventually making us uh, the collective you know, you know. when I mean by collective, the state, the community, you know, uh, globalism and all of, you know, communism, socialism, fascism, all of that, Nazis, all of it came out of that whole um, sphere. And you have, it's very complicated. It's like hiring a man. You have a lot of different components and elements to try to address it. But I think one of the biggest things, because like one of the gentlemen said, It's it's really disturbing to see how the younger kids, because of the fact that they haven't been educated, well, the older ones too, okay? But you especially see where they are more subjected or weak or more influenced by uh, their methods And, and the way things are going. They probably will, you know, the United States will be getting more and more socialist within the next generation. I see.
3: I I love hearing you say, I think, weren't you a professor at one point? No, no. Well, I feel like you taught at Georgia Tech. uh, You've called before, like Teresa. Just,
4: well, yeah, I was adjunct for a while, but I preferred to be an entrepreneur, so I only did about three or four years.
3: Well, it seems like you have an interest in educating people to what's really going on. So I'd like to hear what you have to say. I, I want to, I'm going to have to take a break, which I appreciate, but I want to just emphasize one point, which is uh, that I feel like it's coming to a head now in a way th- they, you have to, I think it's like in tragedy and hope. I think I read this where you have to disconnect the previous generation from the future generations. And you can do that through, uh culture changing in order to change the culture and that's what you're talking about you can do it by a culture changing technology like birth control you can do it by taking the kids away from the parents and um perhaps and through the educational system And I feel like they've tried that so many times, but I wonder if now it has. I see that in the younger generation. I really feel like they cannot think. They are so susceptible. They're so impressionable. They're so susceptible to faulty logic. I do think that's the greatest risk. i got to take a break. Um, Thanks so much for the call. And uh, Colston, hang on. Ray, Bill, Romulo... Up next, this is Monica Perez.
1: Monica Perez. You
3: maniac! You blew it up!
1: On News 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB.
3: I'm going to go straight to the calls. Colston in Atlanta, you're on with Monica.
5: Uh, It's Clifton.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. You know, there's a little typo there.
5: (laughs) I'm kind of glad of the first two calls because this is kind of relevant to kind of what both of them had to say. Uh, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts as well. If inevitably our country is heading towards UBI, which it is. Universal basic income. Everybody gets a check. Yeah, go. So eventually we will be there. You know, whether it's 50 years or 30 years, we will be there. where it will be implemented. I'm wondering why people aren't making as much of a deal about Andrew Yang and some of the other candidates as he's trying to implement this now. And it, it helps with a number of things that uh, are pretty relevant to your first two callers. Um, the respiration thing.
3: Reparations, yep. Rep, Reparations? Yep. Uh,
5: in, instead of that, you're looking at $1,000 a month. And I, I hear the question a lot, how does that help people that are already receiving benefits, say, $800 a month? Well, a lot of those people that are receiving benefits, they have... Uh, contingencies that they have to go by. Yeah,
3: no, they're going to work it out. But I'm picking up, you're right, on it. It probably serves the same purpose as the reparations as the UBI, uh, the universal basic income, just writing checks. I will give you my take on that after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.
5: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.